Well, Americans will be sitting down to a decent turkey dinner tomorrow, but before that, one day to go and still time to push ahead with hopes that the Fed will pivot or at least slow down their rate hike path. Once again, that seems to be what's driving markets this morning. Maybe the global slowdown is helping with that. The OECD has downgraded their forecasts again, and China is seeing close to a record number of COVID cases. So an easing of lockdowns doesn't seem likely anytime soon. And the Socceroos versus France, don't tell me, I haven't seen it yet. It is Wednesday. Wednesday, the 23rd of November, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a good session for shares overnight. The Dow up 1.2% at close. The S&P 500 up 1.4%. Same for the Nasdaq. Energy stocks doing particularly well, with oil well up today, although they have lost some of their gains uh, later in the session, with WTI uh, still up, though, 1.4%, a 1.2% gain for Brent, which is around 88.50 a barrel. It was getting closer towards 90 earlier on. Shares well up in Europe as well. The Eurostoxx 50 up half a percent at close. The FTSE 100 up over 1%. And bond yields down. 10-year treasuries losing six basis points, down four in Canada, down five for 10-year gilts in the UK, but not down as much in continental Europe. Aussie 10 years uh, up one basis point yesterday to 3.59%, not much movement on futures since then. And the US dollar down 0.6% on the DXY. The Aussie is up by the same amount, up to 66.5 US cents. The euro is up 0.6%, same for the pound. And the US dollar down 0.7% on the Japanese Again. So a bit of a switch again, isn't it? Why the change of heart? Let's talk to Sky Masters at NAB in Sydney. It sounds like we're back to the hope of a Fed pivot, doesn't it? If pivot is the right word, at least a, a slowdown in their expectations as to how far or how quickly they're going to go. What what has brought on this this change in sentiment today, do you think? Morning, Phil. Look, I, I think so. I mean, there wasn't a lot of, if you look at sort of what came out overnight in terms of data and, and real news flow, there wasn't much at all. Um, so it's a bit hard to pinpoint oh, you know, this happened, so that's why bond yields are rallying and equity markets are stronger. Um, but, you know, of the second-tier data that, that came out, you know, you had a, um, you know, another soft regional um, manufacturing report out of out of the US. You had uh, soft um, Canadian retail sales. Um, they, they fell in the month of September. Um, and then you continue to have central bank commentary now which is what well, still points to oh we still need to do further tightening that there seems to be this consistent message coming out of central banks now that you know yes we can shift gears maybe we are nearly at the end of the tightening cycle you know maybe we are starting to see the impact of higher well, Mary Daly talked about lags didn't she I mean she said adjusting too much could lead to unnecessarily painful downturns uh, and so maybe there's a bit of a reaction to that as well. That's been that's been taken as being well, okay. They maybe they they're not going to adjust too much and they're going to ease off. Although she did also say that uh, you know that they they did need to keep on pushing rates. Otherwise, uh, you know, the, 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 if if they didn't, that would leave inflation too high. But people preferred, I think, to focus on the the warning about doing too much rather than not doing enough. Yeah, I mean, it's this delicate balance, I think, for central banks at the moment because I'm not sure. Um, you know, the Fed would be necessarily happy with what the price, you know, the price action that we're seeing, you know, we've seen over the last couple of weeks or, you know, the, um, you know, easing in in, in financial um, conditions, uh, you know, with, with mm. lower yields and, and higher equities. I'm not really sure that's the message that, that they were, <laughs> were trying to deliver to, to markets, but they are trying to delicately shift away from aggressive tightening 
towards sort of a, a more um, sort of normal tightening cycle. And yeah, you had um, a BOC senior deputy governor speaking overnight, Caroline Rogers, and she was saying, you know, in, in Canada, while we have a long way to go to get inflation back to target, there are some early signs that monetary policy is is working. Um, mm. You know, and, and, and I think, you know, there's, um, you know, we've got the BOC meeting next week and I think economists are split there as whether, you know, they go 50 or, or they actually do another step down and go 25. Well, we um, mentioned the fact that retail sales were down, I mean, half percent month on month in, in Canada, but manufacturing sales were up 2%, wholesale sales up 1.3%, both month on month, which were more than expected. So, I mean, that could be a, you know, a sign of, uh, of, of what's to come. You know, maybe retail sector, the retail sector there will build up inventories. And there's some talk in the United States that those higher inventories that they've got might actually, um, you know, help bring prices down over, the, over this period, over the next month with sales. Maybe there'll be quite a bit of uh, people buying stuff discounted and that will bring inflation down um, or not. That's the thing. You can ask economists this, can't you? And they all have different theories on how this is going to play out. It's, it's yes. almost as though no one's quite sure. Well, no, I don't. I, like, <laughs> like, we're not. No, no one is really. And, and I guess mm. it's just the, you know, the expectation and, and um, you know, the, the lags that, you know, at, at some point in time, the tightening in policy will feed, you know, will feed through. Um, mm. And I guess there's that hope that, that we're entering that stage now, which will allow you know, central banks to ease off um, yeah. and, and pause and wait and, and see what the you know, incoming data brings as we head into 2023. And markets um, this week are going to re- re- respond to almost anything, aren't they? Because, I mean, it's thin trading because it's, it's, it's such a short week and, and everyone's, you know, too busy worried about whether they bought the turkey and how long it takes to defrost. Yeah, I mean, it's it's thin trading. There's not a lot of new news coming out. And I think, um, you know, lo- looking at um, price action, um, my view is, is I think investors just want to jump on anything that says central banks are done. So, mm. you know, and any reason to go and buy the long end of the Treasury curve, um, and, and they will, I'm not sure you know, that that's the right path to go at the moment. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, US 10-year yield, which is currently at 376, um, is pretty low if you think the Fed won't reach, uh, you know, the peak in the funds rate till about middle of next year, and that's going to be 5%. Um, yeah. So I do think there will be a period where we are going to see high yields again. But at the moment, it just seems um, the weight of momentum is is to, to sort of add, you know, or get out of, reduce net shorts or, you know, add, add to longs in, in the longer part of, of, of um, yield curves. And that's why you're seeing um, curves continue to flatten. And so overnight, you've seen the US 2s tens curve flatten by another six basis points. It's currently at minus 75. So isn't, isn't, um, isn't all of that ignoring the situation in China, which is not getting any better? So the FT this morning is saying there are 28,000 new infections in China spiralling towards record highs. In fact, April the 13th uh, this year was the, the highest day when it was 29,000. So they're more or less there. Beijing, Jiangsu and Chongjing uh, now hit the hardest with lockdowns. Uh, there are reports the lockdowns now affect areas responsible for one fifth of China's GDP, and yet you know we're not seeing much of a reaction to that. In fact, if you look at oil, <laughs> you might have thought that oil might take it from that, but for completely different reasons, oil is up today, and so you know it's like 
this seems more important than perhaps hopes that the Fed is going to pivot, but the market seems to have ignored this. Yeah, I mean, I guess with oil, it, it's 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 fallen a lot over the last um, week or so. So, you know, I think, um, you know, the news reports of increasing cases in China have, have been around for a while now. So, um, you know, I don't think you can read too much in one night's move on the oil price. Um but yeah. as I well, said, I think the, you know, the oil is responding to Saudi Arabia, isn't it? The fact that they have now said, you know, we have no intention at all uh, of increasing oil production, which is what uh, which which what is what helped oil yesterday. So um, so that's part of it. But no, yeah, think, the, just those China numbers, they are going up a lot, though, day on day. No, they are. They are. And I mean, I think. In terms of saying the market's not looking at it, you could say maybe it's, that's what's giving a bit of a bid to the longer end of bond curves. Mm. Um, you know, what's going on in China and, and the prospect of you know, ongoing weaker demand, um, you know, un, until China can, can open, open up. Um, you know, I guess the one market that I would look at, which, you know, you'd say, oh, wow, maybe they're not focusing on that are equities. Um, mm. You know, they're, yes. they're posting gains overnight. Based on on company reports, a lot of it, I think, isn't it still? Uh, Europe's consumer confidence, uh, this is a sign of how bad things are. We got their, their numbers yesterday when we see a read of minus 23.9, and we think that's a good thing because it, because it was minus 27.5, and it was expected to pick up to minus 26, but hey, minus 23.9. But to give it some perspective, at the start of the year, they were at the giddy heights of minus 8.5, so that's how low they've become. I'm not sure is there anything we can really take from this. I mean, we know that the situation is pretty disastrous there and uh, obviously they're, they're not very happy about it. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't think there's a lot that you can take out of that. Um, maybe it is it is bottoming, um, but it's still bottoming at a very, you know, at, at crisis levels. Um, so I don't think you can read any good news out of that data. No. Well, so what about the OECD? I mean, similarly, I mean, this is probably ancient history as well. They've revised their forecast. They said yesterday, of course, they would be revising it downwards because they always do, uh, including Australia. So they're saying 1.9% growth next year, down from 2%, so only marginally uh, downgrading their forecast and down to 1.6% in 2024. But at least they're positive numbers. They reckon the UK is going to shrink 0.4% in 2023 and only grow 0.2% in 20. 2024, but that is actually better than the UK's own official uh, Office of Budget Responsibility that you know says it's going to shrink by 1.4 percent next year. So again, you know, none of them are good numbers, uh, and we know they're not good. So again, I get, you know, a, a nice looking report, but we knew what was going to be in it, really. Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm not sure what I, I can add much more to what you just to know. Just just bad numbers. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about New Zealand then. What's going to happen today? The RBNZ. So we had the ahead of that, we had the trade data uh, yesterday. Uh, exports and imports both up. So they've got a, a record trade deficit, but that is because imports were so much higher. So you could say that's actually good news because people are out buying and spending uh, and, and supplies are getting through. But, you know, uh, you could take it another way as well. But that's, uh, that's ahead of the RBNZ. Today, the odds are on 75 basis points. Is that what's going to happen? Uh, yeah, so looking at market pricing, um, I think the market's pricing around a 75% chance of a 75 basis point rate hike. Um, so, you know, I think you, you've talked about this the last two morning calls about um, what mm. BNZ's view is for the RBNZ, but um, BNZ is calling for, you know, they'll, they'll debate 50 or 75, but um, they're still sort of ultimately thinking they'll deliver a, a 50 basis point rate hike. So I guess a bit of, 
you know, potential volatility um, in markets uh, today on, on the RBNZ. Right. Um, and what did you make so out of what Philip Lowe was saying uh, yesterday? He seemed to be giving that central, that sort of standard central banker's speech last night about the need for workers to uh, not demand wages in line with inflation because that'll just add to inflation. Uh, I, I know when Andrew Bailey at the Bank of England uh, said that he uh, he was pretty much crucified by the media uh, because you know he was implying that uh, lo- low-income workers should uh, shouldn't be expecting uh, to, to you know get anywhere near maintaining their standard of living. But I mean. The fact that Philip Lowe was doing, he, Philip Lowe didn't need to say that, but the fact he did sort of obviously shows that he is concerned about some sort of wage spiral starting to kick in Australia. Otherwise, he just wouldn't have gone there, would he? Yeah, I mean, I think I think part of this is all about um, dealing with um, inflation expectations going forward, and and he did note in his. Um, in his speech, um, how history shows that it can be very costly and most likely leads to recessions if you let inflation stay high for an extended period and then it becomes ingrained in people's expectations. So, Mm. you know, he's saying, you know, that the lessons that we've, that you've got from the past, um, you know, lie, and this is his quote, lies behind the determination of the world's central banks to ensure that the current period of high inflation is only temporary. So, you know, that's why central banks have gone very um, quickly in terms of shifting um, cash rates away from um, ultra easy or low low levels. Um, and, you know, why you know, to, to try and temper that, that inflation expectations. And so if you have consumers continuing to expect um, higher wages going forward, you know, it starts to get ingrained um, into expectations and it starts to spiral. Um, mm. So, you know, whether he should or shouldn't have said it, I, I don't have an opinion on that. Um, but I think he's just, yeah, he's he's trying to not get the high inflation expectations sort of anchored. You know, he he wants he wants people to to believe that inflation will will head lower, that it that this high inflation environment is is only temporary. Right, but he's also saying it's it's got to be tackled quickly, hasn't he? So does that mean he was sounding a bit more hawkish? Can we take that out of it? Or is that uh, putting two and two together and getting 27? Look, I think so. I, I think, um, yeah, don't don't read too much into that either. I mean, the, the point is, is the RBA hasn't finished tightening. Mm. So, um, but they have, they have shifted, you know, lower to 25 basis point rate hikes. Um, and, you know, our... Economists' views are is that the hurdle is very high for them to shift back to fifty. Um, they will if the data suggests they need to, but at the moment that's that's not the expectation. So you know our view is is they'll deliver twenty five base point hike in December, twenty five in February, and another twenty five in March, which will take them to to three sixty. Um, I think the uh, I think another interesting thing though that came out of um, low speech was more talking about. Um, not right here, right now, but the longer term outlook um, and, you know, suggesting that, um, you know, inflation um, could stay high for um, st- higher than we've been used to um, going forward. Um, and, you know, he was talking about, um, you know, it's going to remain, it could be, it's going to remain volatile and, and maybe higher. Um, and a- as we tackle um, you know, there were four things he pointed: the reversal of globalization, demographics, so the working age population declining, 
um, climate change and the energy transition. And so to me, the way I read into that is that, you know, yes, um, you know, we may be near the, the peak in cash rates. At some point in time, central banks may start to ease again, but cash rates may actually end up staying higher over the next decade than we've been used to in the in the past decade. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've heard that before as well, haven't we, from other central banks as well, probably for precisely those four reasons. Look, it is uh, global PMIs day to day, manufacturing and services PMIs for Europe, Germany, the UK, the US. Uh, so we'll be able to see that discrepancy between the US and, and Europe, perhaps, but also just how big the contraction, how far into that contraction territory that we're heading. Uh, and uh, it's uh, also uh, in initial jobless claims for the US, which have been fairly resilient lately, haven't they? And uh, durable goods orders and new home sales. Don't say anything about that because we have to go because I've got a football match to watch. Uh, but uh, We'll catch you again very soon. Good to talk, Sky. Thanks, Phil. And I am off to catch the second half. That's it for the morning call for this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you again tomorrow morning.